the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Isios. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Today's show is about trust. You may think you know about trust, but after you hear this episode with Joseph Myers, you're going to have a whole new outlook. I'm not going to spill the beans now. We're going to get right into it, but just get ready to open up your mind because there's a lot of adversity in trust. There's a lot of different ways to look at it and to experience trust in life. So I'm really excited for this episode. This is a very interesting one. And Joseph Myers is a very interesting man. So I hope you enjoy it. Joseph Myers, everybody. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. My next guest's main focus is on something very, very important, and that is trust. He is on a mission to help people understand and how to communicate trust more effectively. He focuses on provoking imagination to capture concealed and overlooked opportunities, reframe communication, and dig for clarity so that you and your business are compelled into the future. He has an astonishing ability to simplify complex matters, cut through the chase, and explain the essence of some of the most intricate topics. Really excited to get into this today. Um, Really interesting topic, and yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Joseph Myers, welcome to the show, man. Thanks. It's great to be on. I really appreciate it, Lance. Awesome. Hopefully... um, uh, with that intro that uh, kind of sets us up for the conversation. But if you want to elaborate on that at all, or if I miss something, that's what this is all about. So, well, I, I don't uh, think you missed anything. I think it sets us up for failure. So, you know, <laughs> that's a great thing. <laughs> Perfect. Well, let's, um, let's maybe just tell us a bit about yourself, um, a bit about your history, your story, and, you know, what, uh, what has trust got to do with it? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting to me. Um, along the way, I, I am the type of person that does everything. And um, it's, I don't know if you know much about the Enneagram, but I'm an eight with a wing seven, which is kind of a force of nature kind of personality. And so I have to really watch myself because I want to do everything and I want to do it well. And um, I can go deep dive into stuff and just get lost and then all of a sudden abandon that and go do something else that's just as crazy. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I've done everything from uh, I've owned several companies along the way and built several companies to um, I went to school to be in the ministry and, um, you know, I've, I've written best-selling Uh, books. And so it's just been a a life full of wonderful um, anticipation and um, really fortune, good fortune, good luck. And um, trust for me, um, it it is the actual, for me, it's the glue that really binds society together. It it is the one thing that um, you can do with almost out without almost everything else in a relationship, but trust is the one thing that will glue it together. You can do it without security. You can do without love. You can do so many things you can actually do without, but you can't have a relationship without actually having trust. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's we just I think we undersimplify the word trust, and but really, it's so important. So, what exactly is trust? You know, like for you know, I, I mean, we say it. Do you trust me? Do you trust her? Do you trust? What is it exactly? Yeah, that. that I mean, if we could answer that, I, we might both be millionaires upon millionaires. <laughs> um, I, let, let me tell you how I got into really being intrigued by trust. Yeah. Um, so um, I had um, I was arguing with my now ex-wife, and um, she just went. You know, we would get together. We were separated at the time. We'd get together, and there was it was just a struggle to communicate. She was very upset and um, should have been. And, uh, you know, her number one comment was always, how can I trust you again? How can I ever, ever, I don't think I'll ever be able to trust you again. And how can I be with someone I can't trust? And she was right. It was going to be never before she trusts me again. And um, the interesting thing about that is, as soon as she, we would be standing there talking about trust and, and, and her not trusting me. And at the same time, she would hand me a My Little Pony suitcase in the hand of our one-year-old daughter. And that was so intriguing to me. How can someone who doesn't trust me as much as she said she didn't trust me, mm. and with good reason, hand me the most precious gift she ever had? Yeah. How can that be possible? And that drove me crazy for years, really, because I kept looking at how people um, experience trust, how they express trust, uh, phrases like, um, well, it's going to take me a long time to ever trust you again. What, what does that mean? And, yeah. and because it seemed like I could actually just decide to trust. I mean, what, what's the thing that's going to get you to trust me again? It seems like it's going to be a decision. And, and one day you're going to go, okay, I'll trust him again. Yeah. So that just, and so uh, from that moment on, I actually started believing that trust and distrust were two separate things, that they weren't on the, sa the same end or the separate ends of the same continuum, mm -hmm. but they were actually two separate things. And so I dove deep into, you know, it, it's, it's like my personality to go deep into research and, and become one uh, kind of an armchair quarterback expert on these topics. And um, what I kept finding is all the research is based on no trust and distrust are on two separate ends of the same continuum. And so the more you trust, the less you distrust and the opposite being true. But everything I looked at in real life didn't say that that was actually true, that people could actually trust and distrust at the exact same time. That's fascinating. Like, I, I, I remember when, when we first connected before and you were talking about this, I thought this was just fascinating because how, what is it that makes somebody trust and distrust? It's, it's got to be a personal, it's got to be almost like a belief system in that person, right? Or some sort of lack of or... Well, I, I, yeah, I think you're getting to the nuances of something here. It, so here... It just um, in the last few, really the last year and a half, two years, in brain science, we've actually discovered 
that trust comes from the prefrontal cortex. Huh. And distrust comes from the amygdala. The amygdala is where you have fight, flight, and freeze. So it's the, it's the part of your brain that is about security and safety. It's the guard dog of your brain. And trust coming from the prefrontal cortex actually is about logical thought and decision-making and relationship building. So simply said, we actually decide to trust and we feel distrust. Okay. Okay, so, but you're right. So everything that we hold true in this prefrontal cortex about our belief systems affect the way we do trust. So would it be like our conscious mind says we trust, but our subconscious mind is distrusting? Well, you could say it's kind of like that. They're, they're, two, they're both conscious and unconscious parts of our brain. Um, but the amygdala, just think of it as the amygdala has uh, one responsibility, and that is safety. It wants to keep us safe. Okay, so I Just think fight, flight, or freeze. It's all about being safe. Distrust comes from that. And so distrust is about safety. So it does it in two ways. Um, it does it as a guard dog and as a guide dog. In all of these things, fight, flight, freeze, whatever you're talking about, the amygdala has two responsibilities when it comes to safety. Guard dog, meaning immediate bite, uh, you know, get angry, whatever it is. And then to turn itself into a guide dog that is more peaceful for the brain to operate with and say, okay, all's clear, you can, proceed with caution. And that's really what it does. So it's not really subconscious, although it's intuitive in its, in its nature. Um, but it's also based on some of the belief systems that we have. For instance, um, you know, um, we have a belief, and, and I'm, I'm going to get, if, if it's okay, I'm going to get it. Yeah. So whatever you, whatever you want to do, this is, let's, let's okay. yeah. It's really interesting because we trust and distrust based on things that are already in our brains, mm -hmm. positions, mm -hmm. or dust, distrust and trust. So if we believe, for instance, that um, uh, someone who is gay is just um, a flaming, um, you know, they're off the rocker, they, they really don't have any worth, we're instantly going to have distrust because the, in, we've already programmed our amygdala to tell ourselves that I distrust this. Mm -hmm. if, if we have that feeling against police officers, if you can't believe that a police officer is actually who they are in upholding safety and, and order, and, but no, they're really here to kind of bug me or, or whatever, whatever experience I've had, you're either going to trust or distrust them separately. So you're right. It comes down to some kind of pre-held uh, positions that we have. And that's the thing as uh, humans that is so wonderful and, and devastating at the same time. But we have the ability to decide to change those, those thought patterns. So we can train our mind not to distrust the things that we distrust right now. And we can train our mind to trust the things that we don't trust so much right now. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So 
it's just, I'm trying to get a grasp of this. So your outlook on how you trust somebody is all based on what you've already, the experiences you've gone through, right? So if you've gone through a lot of experiences where people let you down a lot and you, and you've been let down or somebody's done something to you and promised something and not fallen through. So obviously you're going to be less likely to trust somebody, which is essentially what is trust? Trust is giving them your um, faith in you or what is it? It's, it's an exchange of energy without maybe with, with, while releasing um, resistance. Is that, yeah. you know, the trust is really, um, it's, uh, Rachel Bolt, uh, Boltzmann is actually just a fabulous expert on trust and, and very, you know, she's pretty amazing, but she has this kind of definition that trust is of the relationship between what's known and what's unknown. Hmm. Okay. Trust is what happens in between those two things. Okay, and so, yes, it, it has a foundation in what we already believe, but in both trust and distrust. Remember, they're two separate things. There are two separate things going on at the exact same time. Right. And they both influence each other, thankfully, and they both are allies for each other when used properly. Um, but they're both reacting to preconceived ideas that we've taught our brain. Now, they're also reacting... Uh, it's funny, let, let me go back to Rachel for a second. She also has this theory of um, strangely familiar. So um, what she means by that is that we actually convince ourselves in the prefrontal cortex to start trusting something quicker when it's strangely familiar. When it's so strange and unfamiliar, our, our amygdala is so active and so guard dogish that it doesn't let our prefrontal cortex kind of discover trust it just keeps distrusting and so um, when you introduce a new product for instance one of the things that i help companies with is when you deliver a new product is you have to make it strangely familiar to someone so they can release the amygdala to start trusting ah oh, got it the more familiar it is yeah it's it, the more that's why you see a lot of the big the big players on social media, it's like the more familiar you are and the more content you see, the more you see of their personal life, like stories and stuff, Instagram and Facebook, the more you're likely to let that down, that guard down. He's just like me or she's just like me and then bye. Exactly. We're just like each other. That's what we're, the whole thing is. That's right. If I can, if you can, I can convince you that we're so similar and so I buy this kind of product, you're gonna buy that product 99% of the time. It's just, it's just the way we are. Or like Airbnb, for instance. You know, Airbnb and Uber, places like that, but let's go with Airbnb. The one, number one thing investors kept thinking when they were trying to invest in Airbnb or get money investment was, who's gonna go stay at strangers' homes? But yeah. they made it so strangely familiar that you could go on and make a reservation just like you could with a hotel. You could yeah. eat them. You could. So they made the reservation process so strangely familiar that people yeah. actually embraced that very, very quickly. 
Yeah. And I remember when I first used Airbnb back in 2012, it, um, there was a lot of things you had to go through in order to even get a, get one. Right. So very secure process. Right. And that was just, just thinking about that. Like what a crazy, crazy thought to think you can create something that's going to revolutionize, you know, stay and, and, and kind of take away from the hotels. Like who would think that that is even possible, you know, without owning any property. Yeah. And it's all about the trust of like how, because it people, when they go to a hotel, you just, you know what you're getting. You let that comfort feeling. It's a great feeling. You know, you fly in, you get off the plane, you go, you're like, I know I'm going to go here and this is going to be great. There's no, that's the standard. The hotel holds up. How do you replicate that in something like Airbnb is mind blowing because you have to give that trust that you, everything that they do, every listing that they have is going to give you that same feeling you get when you go to a hotel or that's what they've been able to do or better. Yeah. That's what they've been able to do. Yes. Which now, is fascinating. It is so fascinating. Now remember the, every um, relationship goes through a process and forever we thought it was a three kind of pronged process and it started with curiosity that moved to engagement that moved to commitment so marketers and everybody forever we thought those are the three steps of building a relationship you have to build curiosity and then you get engaged and then you make a commitment okay mm. But that's actually, we're missing something. The first step to every relationship is distrust. Really? Every relationship. Anytime you trust something, it has, you have had to first go through distrust. You can't get to trust without distrust. Interesting. And so what relationships do is you go, it, you have to get over first distrust. One of the best ways you get over distrust is through curiosity. It is one of the magical keys to getting someone to do something that they distrust. To move guard dog to guide dog is usually about making that person more and more curious. The reason I asked my wife now out for a date was that I finally got to the point that my curiosity overrode my distrust that she would hurt my feelings, right? So um, it goes from distrust to curiosity, from curiosity to engagement, from engagement to commitment. And that's what Airbnb and Uber and Lyft and all those, that's all they're trying to do along with everybody else. Governments should, should know this. And, and you know, we, we've had such a, our institutional trust has been shaken so much, you know, um, news outlets, governments, church, um, you know, the, the job that's going to take care of you in, in your retirement, all those are gone. Yeah. Right? I mean, all those have been shaken to the point that no one actually believes that those institutions are going to take care of you any longer. And yet, we also do trust them, but just in a different way. And our distrust is playing a bigger role. Um, so I'll stop there. No, I, I, this is, this is so fascinating. I've never talked about this stuff. I don't think anybody listening has probably ever even gone depth deep into this stuff because 
it's all of trust. I mean, it's so important and it's fascinating because in relationships, every transaction you have is some form of, do I trust this person? Do I not? Right. And it's amazing because sometimes I trust people right away. I'm like, I like that person. I like that person. Some people I'm like, get that guy out of my face. I can't stand that person. Now, is that me seeing something, a limited belief in them that maybe I feel is a threat that they have that I don't have? And that's me come lashing out for some reason, or is that just me feeling the energy or is that like, that's, that's what fascinates me too, is, you know, say you go out walking to Starbucks and you go and see these people, you know, right away, you get a hunch about that person. Now, what is that hunch? Is that energy? Is that, what is that? Yeah. So, um, I think it's all those things that you mentioned. Yeah. The big thing to remember, though, is that it's not trust or distrust. Mm. You're doing both at the exact same time. Yeah, okay. And so when you distrust someone that you meet, that all of a sudden there's something weird that's going on, you get a weird vibe, that's your amygdala. That's the instinctual part of you saying, safety, safety, safety. I've got to keep you safe. We've got to distrust this person. Do not. It's literally communicating to the prefrontal cortex going, do not start building a list of trusting this person. It's, it's, so that's why they become such great allies when used in the right way. Hmm. Is that the, the amygdala allows you to trust with confidence. Now, are you going to be wrong sometimes? Yes. Yeah. On both sides. Yes. There, there's no perfect agenda to this, right? Um, yeah. We're talking about the weirdness of the human brain and yeah right? there's lots of factors who you know if you had if you ate mcdonald's as opposed to if you had a good meal and how you react if you had you know too many coffees of course it's all you know how we react right or what sex you are yeah the sex is actually trust and distrust in so totally different ways it's just amazing that we actually get together yeah yeah wow so Talk to, talk to us more about what you're working on right now. And, um, you know, I know you got a, you, you're, you're going to be probably doing a Ted, a, a Ted, uh, Ted talk as well. Maybe talk us about that and kind of what you're working on right now, as far as, you know, helping businesses and whatnot. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the, the things that, um, I've done throughout my life and tried to help people with is, is more relational in, in focus and, um, and trying to be really, I, I, I hate words like authentic and because, you know, what does that really mean kind of thing. But t- to try my best to look at the way people actually behave over the way we think that they do. Because mm-hmm. um, many times we think, for instance, trust and distrust are on you know, are different than what they really are going on inside of our brain or how people belong to one another is totally separate. In a, we belong to each other in different ways than what we actually say we do um, and what's important to us. And so what I try to do is help companies actually and, and uh, people, um, organizations and personal to um, get on a path where relational capital in their lives and or as a business becomes um, a 
one of the most important parts of their DNA. I think one of the reasons why, uh, like this cultural buzz, you know, every organizations need to figure out their culture and all the soft skills and all that kind of, I, and I believe all those things, but I, I think one of the reason why people are so heightened to that is that we know intuitively that it all comes down to person to person. Now, I don't mean that by, for instance, like that it's not digital person to digital person, or it's not made up person to made up person. You know, I'm just talking about relational connections and how to keep those, quote unquote, authentic or true to the way our, our mind and our bodies react naturally and not try to figure it out in some kind of weird way. So, so for instance, let me give you an example. Um, a lot of companies believe that to build trust, for instance, we have to be more transparent. Actually, transparency doesn't build trust. Hmm. Um, transparency is just transparency. Yeah. Integrity builds trust. And if you have an, an integrity transparency, that could build trust. It could help build trust. But for instance, um, let's, let's talk about the apps on your phone. Hmm. So you load an app on your phone and it asks you to agree to all the documentation that you, you know, they want you to agree to. Have you ever read what's in that documentation? No, and I don't even want to. Exactly. Now, they're, they're being transparent. They're telling you exactly what they're going to do to you if you misbehave contractually. But they're not, being, they're not doing it with much integrity because they also know you're not going to read it. They, they've presented it to you in a way. So do you see that there's a difference yeah. between transparency and integrity? Yeah. So it's not just about integrity or about transparency that builds trust it's it's not that at all it's actually what's behind it the integrity piece that builds trust and lowers distrust or moves I, uh, i'm trying to get out of the language right now of lowering distrust because it's it's more that we move distrust from guard dog to guide dog that's the healthy piece to totally get rid of distrust out of the equation is not healthy for us as humans to blindly trust someone is not healthy Anyone, your wife, anyone, it's not healthy. That trust, that distrust part is such an uh, intriguing and integral part of the trust equation. How can so, somebody, oh, sorry. sorry. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. Keep going. Sorry. So I'm just trying to help companies understand that in, the, in this relational cycle, distrust, curiosity, uh, engagement, and commitment. And how do, I, how do I get out of, for instance, it's also funny because Curiosity can get you out of distrust, can, can help move distrust to a guard dog, but it also, curiosity can also get you in a cycle of distrust. So you can, you can be distrusting, curiosity can almost get you out of it, but all of a sudden your curiosity finds out something else that you distrust. And then you become curious, and then you find something else that you distrust, and you never get to engagement. So, um, a lot of um, Lyft and Uber's problems with getting into, for instance, some cities like our city, Vancouver, Vancouver <laughs> yeah. right? or airports, 
is that um, they're stuck in this distrust curiosity cycle with these with governments. Okay, I'm really curious about how Lyft and Uber can actually bring economic growth to our city, but oh, there's this one thing that happened, you know, that okay, I kind of distrust them. What if that happens in our community? Yeah. I'm really curious about it. So what it see what I mean? They're in yeah. this cycle. They're, they don't ever get to engagement. So that's kind of what I do. Yeah, very interesting. And uh, yeah, us not having Uber in Vancouver is just mind-blowing bullshit. Um, I don't even know <laughs> where to begin with that. <laughs> yeah, I, know. It's just, uh, it, I wish I was a part of those negotiations because I think I could help people figure out how to get to engagement and out of this cycle of, because it's just, it's an easy thing to get out of and yet it's so complex at the same time. Aside from Airbnb and Uber, who, what company would you replicate as a company that builds that trust well? Would you say someone like Apple? Simon, Simon Senek talks about, you know, in um, Start With Why, very, goes into that about Apple and all that and different companies. So what company would you say is really good at building that trust and has done a good job? Well, you know, Apple is iconic. For of course, them. of course. Because yes. they, they know, you know, as soon as they release a, a product, let's say the iPhone, it is strangely familiar, one, but just cool enough to get you curious. See, what, what they've done is they've taken you out of this distrust loop. They've helped you take your distrust guard dog to guide dog and get you to engagement and they do it just spot on so well um, and, and know how to get you to engagement out of that distrust. They just know how to do it. Um, I, th- I think that um, Tesla is a, a interesting. I mean, who would have ever thought my, my dad worked for General Motors all my life and he worked in the battery department. Ever since I can remember listening to my dad talk about uh, cars, he talked about electric cars. Hmm. But no, everyone thought he was back crazy. No one is, everyone likes a big engine. They love this, this energy. They love the sound. They love the smell. They love the, so how do you get a public to actually start trusting Electric cars. Yeah, how? How did he? Well, I, he became, so the, I think one of the, the pieces that, for instance, that um, Musk did was um, he said, I, I want to build a sports car. I want to build an electric sports car. But instead of concentrating on the design of the car itself, he took a car that already existed, a Lotus and put an electric engine in that car. Okay, so see how strangely familiar, we already know what a Lotus looks like. We don't have to decide, oh, I don't know if I like that design or not. I don't know if I trust those curves. I don't know, see what I mean? He took that all away. We already trust that a Lotus is a cool, fast car. And he said, okay, I'm gonna take that out of the equation. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna create an electric engine and if I can get people to just open the door, get inside and press the gas, I think I've got them. And he did that because he, he built on strangely familiar principles. 
Yeah, it's so smart. And I mean, Joe Rogan had talked about it. I forget where I heard it, but he said he had never sat in one before. And then after he sat in it, he he could not believe that he like he couldn't go back to another another car because it was just so good. And he went and bought one. Right. <laughs> it's it's crazy. That's like he was so mind blown by it. Right. And that really, that's all you have to do. Airbnb is the same thing. Uber's the same thing. All I have to do is get you to experience it once. And if it lives up to its promise, I got you. Yeah. I got to get your butt in the seat once. That's all I need. And that's, that's Musk's whole thing. If I can get them in the seat once, I've got them. If I can get them to press that gas just one time and see the response and the feel and the, the excitement of the car, then I've got them. Yeah, definitely. Have you noticed since you've sort of <clears throat> tackled in or sort of honed in on the skills of the trust, have you maybe give us like some examples or if you have or other people in their lives that they've noticed that they've been able to kind of improve or just have you seen like, you know, tangible results from people applying that, that knowledge of the trust to be able sure. to differentiate you know, that it's okay to distrust and it's okay to trust at the same time. At the exact same time. And that, what you just said is so key for people to understand is that it's okay to distrust and trust at the exact same time. It's not, it's actually not okay to try to get rid of all your distrust to trust. Okay. That's not okay. Um, so I was talking actually at a wedding party, which um, you know how those can go. They're not very fun. And you sit there with people that you don't know. And yeah. So, Especially if you're not drinking anything or if you're just like. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this um, lady next to me asked, well, what do you do? And, and so uh, sometimes you answer honestly and try to build intrigue and others you try to get away. Well, I thought it'd be fun just to see what her reaction to the distrust trust thing is going to be. So I told her about, well, you know, I'm, I researched trust and distrust and how they are different. She said, oh my gosh, you've just saved my marriage. I said, what are you talking about? She said, I've been married for about 10 years and I have four wonderful children and I love my husband to death. But I still get night sweats, night dreams thinking he's going to leave me after 10 years. And I said, well, tell me about that. She said, well, I, I, in college, we dated, and she, he actually just up and left me for, for almost what I thought was no reason. And later on, we got together, and I've, I've built reasons why I trust him, and I do. I trust him wholeheartedly. But she said, you've taught me. I've also distrust him. And that's okay. And since then, I've talked to them as a couple, that's been a couple years ago, and her night dreams have ceased. And she feels comfortable knowing that it's okay for her amygdala to be a little bit of a guide saying, hey, 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 he's done this before. It doesn't mean he's going to do it again. But maybe there's things that you can do to help him stay. Yeah. It's been a beautiful thing, right? Yeah, it's 
to understand that it's okay to feel either way. And I just think sometimes people have it so black and white with everything, right? It's yeah. got to be this way or that way, this way or that way. It's, uh, it's interesting. It's still, it still boggles my mind, the whole thing, just like thinking about it and wrapping my head around, you know, what actually is that thing that says, hey, you know, I, 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 I believe in you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I believe in you. That's essentially kind of what you're doing, right? Right. Well, and, and um, it's so, when I, when I talk to people about this in organizations, one of the things that's so peaceful for them is this idea that they don't have to get rid of their distrust to actually trust. Mm. And it's so mind-boggling. Sorry about that. That's all right. Um, it's so mind-boggling to them that they have been taught that the only way they can get to do to trust someone is to get rid of distrust and they couldn't do it. And so it just was out of balance for them. Mm. But the ability to hold both of those and to be guided by your distrust to trust in healthy ways is freeing. Absolutely freeing. So let's, let's just, um, are, are you familiar with the U S politics at all? Um, very, very little. I don't even get involved, but I, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm open to listen. Some of your listeners will be, you know, from the, the States. I'm, I'm a U.S. citizen. And okay. It, it's so interesting to me because during this next election cycle, one of the things we can do is we can help ourselves not be fooled. What I mean by that is um, politicians, ever since um, actually Watergate, Nick, the Nixon era and Watergate, uh, politics have been uh, more and more distrustful and not trustworthy uh, as the years have gone on. It, it's not like Donald Trump showed up and all of a sudden we have distrust on our hands. It's not that at all. In fact, it is, um, it's just been growing ever since. But here's the genius of Donald Trump. If he can keep you distrusting the enemy by keeping your guard dog on attack, he will keep your vote. He's not trying to get you to trust him. He's trying to get you to guard dog distrust the other person. Mm, so we, we think, you know, we question, a lot of people question, how could anyone with a right mind even like Trump, or especially if you're a Christian, how can you get behind somebody like Trump? It's not that you get behind him, it's that you can't get behind the other guy because he gets your guard dog up so riled up that you don't have a chance to trust anything. Now, the news has caught on to this. The news does the same thing CNN, Fox News, fake news, whatever it is. Those guys, they are experts at keeping your guard dog, like, fed all the time. And if fear, 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 fear. Yeah, it's not news cycle, it's fear cycle. Right? So what happens is, is if in, this, if in that next election cycle, if people would just grab a hold of the idea that, no, I can distrust and trust at the exact same time, and if I could just not feed my guard dog, so heartily, because guard dogs react the way they do more and more and more the more you feed them. 
You know, if you, if you train a dog to fight, he's going to fight. So that's what we're doing with this new cycle, this fear cycle, is we're training our guard dog to fight. But if we can get out of that and move that distrust, not get rid of it, but move it to guide dog, we actually might have a chance to make great decisions again, politically, economically, religiously, whatever that is. Very interesting stuff. What, what are you working on now? Where can everybody find you? So um, I'm still I'm, uh, in the middle of, um, hopefully in the middle. Uh, you never know with a book. You know, it, it kind of has a, um, at this point, it has a mind of its own and kind of writes itself. But I'm writing a book called Trust Me. And then um, they can find me at josephrmyers.com, M-Y-E-R-S, josephrmyers, M-Y-E-R-S.com. Um, and my, uh, find my books there and latest thoughts and, uh, that kind of thing. And of course, LinkedIn and, you know, the usual suspects, right? Do you got, do you got a YouTube channel yet? I do. There's nothing on it yet. Okay. So I would love for people to subscribe to it, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. You know, it's a work in progress, right? Like the yeah, fact I, that you're doing, you know, working on something. I mean, that's, that's, that's the main thing, right? You know, right. working on a book is a huge thing and it takes, it takes a long time. It's a massive effort. It is. And right. the only thing I have up there is the little um, TED submission that I did, the one minute. So, you know, with the TED submission, you have to go down to one minute, a yeah. uh, summary of your idea. So I have the one minute up on my YouTube channel. So, but they'll That's be good. soon. So. Awesome. Well, okay. I got one more question for you. If you... So involving all this trust stuff and everything, I think you could probably piece this together nicely. Hopefully um, it's not too, too much of a hard question for the last question. What is one thing that you could advise people, one tip for overcoming adversity to go on to become successful in their life and you know, navigate through this, this crazy journey that we're in? Yeah, here, listen, here's the thing. My life's been full of adversity. And the one thing that I've learned, and it comes down to trust and distrust, there's no doubt about it, learning how to move guard dog to guide dog and letting that be the ally in which I build my trust on, no doubt about it. But it's a little phrase that I call productive wrong. It's not okay to just learn from your mistakes. You have to take that mistake and make it productive. So the best example of this is 3M, right? They, they make a glue that's not very sticky. Mm -hmm. Now, instead of throwing that recipe away and never looking at it again, they put it on a shelf and they said, not in their minds or probably out loud, just put it on a shelf. Someone then said, you know what? I could use that. So a lot of times you're wrong, your adversity is actually the solution for something that you're not looking for yet. That's been my, that's been my uh, mantra and that's what I found through my life, is that my adversity and the mistakes that I make are in my quote unquote failures are really, I call them productive wrongs because someday I'm gonna use whatever that is, like you know the story of my divorce for instance, that just that thought that trust and distrust have to be separate has been curating in me since the mid eighties mm. and is just now coming to be a productive wrong. 
Awesome. Yeah, that's, it's fascinating. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us because you know, that this is stuff that we don't talk about very often. That's why I think it was a really great conversation to jump into because it's thought provoking and makes people think outside the box, right. With a, with a word that gets thrown around very often. So, um, I appreciate you coming on, man. It was, that was a lot of fun and, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you create in the, in the future here. Well, thanks so much. And thanks for having me, Lance. It's great. It's a pleasure. Make sure to check them out, guys. All the information will be in the show notes. Joseph Myers, everybody. See ya. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for that. Bit of a mind-blowing conversation. Um, I love those kind of conversations, you know. Such a unique topic. Trust is so important in our lives. And most of us don't understand it. So I hope you got some value out of that. If you haven't already, go hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Share it with your friends. Let's, let's send this uh, podcast to oblivion. I want this thing to continue to grow and to impact as many lives as possible. And I can't do that without you guys. So I'm incredibly grateful for all of you listeners. I love you all. We'll catch you next time. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.